what a day we have. It is National Donald Trump Gets Arrested Day. Yeah, we're going to talk to Jason Ammer about that. But first, the recap from last night's national championship game of all of the games in the NCAA tournament. And this is very weird. That was the easiest game to call. It was by far the easiest game to call. When I opened up DraftKings and looked at the line after watching the national semifinals, I had in my little brain the line would be 10 and a half. I saw a line of seven and a half, and I thought, well, this is easy money, and I hope you made easy money. Of all of the games in the tournament, that was the easiest, and I'm going to tell you why. If you're a sports fan, you'll understand this. If you're not a sports fan, I'm going to try to explain it to you. UConn had two of everything, and every guy on that team played to a certain level. What does that mean? That means, well, you're not going to go through any droughts because you got a bad lineup in there. You're not going to go, and all of a sudden, the point guard is out. You bring in the backup point guard. He shows he's a backup for a reason, and next thing you know, three turnovers later, a 10-point lead becomes a four-point lead. That was not going to happen with UConn. Yes, their lead went down to seven, but it never got below that. And think about it, in a national championship game, the lead, once the game was going and the game was established, never got below seven points in a national championship game where you have the two best teams in the country supposedly going at one another. It was as dominant a tournament as you're ever going to see. 2009, North Carolina, the only team that had an average margin of victory greater than what UConn had, just by a smidge, though, 0.2%, 0.2 points. UConn beat people by 20 every night in the national tournament. That's domination. That's destruction. That's showing up every day and whooping up on them. And it's a lesson. And let me see if I can draw a parallel here for you. Did you see what Jill Biden did? Jill Biden, who I guess is a doctor, said, hey, Iowa, you tried really hard and we're going to bring you to the White House, maybe sort of. And of course, people went nuts. What are you talking about? It's a participation society. This is a what? Is there going to be some mother at the there giving out tokens for free drinks like in a game? Is there going to be the team mom? What are we talking about here? Well, let me give you the other side of Jill Biden, Danny Hurley. There are no participation trophies with Danny Hurley and UConn. Danny Hurley coaches you tough. Danny Hurley gets after you. Danny Hurley, he drops the big words on you. The nasty ones that makes mommies and daddies go, oh my God, he talked to my baby boy this way. Nuh-uh. Danny Hurley demands. Danny Hurley encourages. Danny Hurley coaches, Danny Hurley cusses, Danny Hurley berates. Joe Biden wants to have, well, you played a nice game. So you come out to the White House too. Now, I'll tell you this, if Jill Biden was going to have Iowa's team out to the White House because Iowa's team, a.k.a. Caitlin Clark, enhanced women's basketball like nobody else has, then fine. But not because they played a nice, you played a nice game. You played a nice game. So last year, let's go through that. What am I talking about with Caitlin Clark? Everybody's making a big deal. Up 103% year to year to women's final. Peaked at 12.6 million, most viewed college event ever. 
on ESPN+. Most viewed women's basketball game ever. 9.9 million viewers. All right? You know what last year's final did? South Carolina, big brand. UConn, biggest brand. Two biggest brands. It did about five and a half million, and everybody thought it was great. That's the Caitlin Clark factor. That's the value of star power, ladies and gentlemen. Now, they didn't win, and Angel Reese, with all of her taunting, moved herself into Caitlin, Caitlin Clark territory because in the world that we live in, when you do something incredibly, well, weird, I guess, you move into that territory. But that's the Caitlin Clark factor. Now, men's basketball doesn't necessarily have that. You know, men's basketball, you see Danny Hurley right there. They have teams, and men's basketball is about coaches. The NBA is about players. But when you look, when you look at what's going on in basketball and in the world, isn't it amazing that even though, even though our president, his wife, are dying, so dying to make this a participation society to make this where, well, you tried real hard. Winning doesn't matter. You tried. Uh Uh-uh. The people, at least in basketball, that win the most, Kim Mulkey, a raving lunatic, and I love her, completely insane, screaming, yelling, angry, bumping officials in your face like that. Love it. Danny Hurley, all in on just being a tough, 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 old school, like his father, coach. Seriously, Dawn Staley, tough on tough. She may not like to hear that her team is tough, but she tough. Isn't it amazing that this is the world of success? Tough, old school, get after it, be accountable, demand accountability. Isn't it amazing that that works? I'll give you another example of where it doesn't work. And this is totally off script. I saw it just before the show. So the mayor of San Francisco is a woman that got hired because she's going to defund the police. She's a progressive. She's smarter than everybody. Yeah? Okay. Well, guess what she just did? She just enlisted the help of the federal government to help with, guess what? A surging crime problem. An out-of-control crime problem. Crime on the streets. You know she actually hired 500 police officers without vetting them? How about that? Again, that's Jill Biden. That's the progressive society of everybody. Look, everybody gets a participation trophy. We don't need police. They're interfering. They're racing. Yeah? Guess what? You need the strong arm of the law. Guess what? College kids need discipline. Guess what? Teams need tough love. Teams need coaching. Businesses need coaching. And you see it every day in our society, both ways. Both ways. You're seeing it in Chicago. Well, you know, you can do anything you want in Chicago. Murder rates out of control. You see it here in Indianapolis. The mayor of Indianapolis, whatever he was doing during the riots, and there's a lot of rumors didn't stop them, didn't support police, and now we got a downtown of crap. We see it in San Francisco, where the mayor actually was on the front lines of defunding the police, and now she has a human toilet for a city, a murderous human toilet. 
Jump the other way. Sports. Danny Hurley, tough. Tough. Bill Belichick, famously tough, is one more than anybody. Andy Reid, tough. Andy Reid will cut you like it's his job. Andy Reid, the coach of the Chiefs, I mean, that dude has lost a son, has another son going to jail for involuntary manslaughter, and he don't care. I'm not saying he don't care about his kids. I'm saying he'll just keep coaching his team. He'll cut you when he needs to. He's got a great player that he, that he does his thing with, and they win. It's amazing. It's truly amazing. But back to UConn and a little about San Diego State. San Diego State was tough as heck. San Diego State was disciplined. San Diego, San Diego State was tough. But San Diego State just didn't have enough. Matt Bradley, their star player, went 2-9. And, and we talked about it yesterday. He had to have a big game. We said they're going to have to score in the mid-70s. They couldn't do it. They just couldn't do it. They just didn't have enough offensive firepower against a team that had not one but two of everything. Sonogo goes out, the big white kid comes in, right? Hey, everybody rooted for themselves or for each other. This kid here, Jordan Hawkins, I mean, this jump shot is pure. He scores 16. You don't even talk about him, but he's a first-round pick. Damn, is he good. Then, of course, the guard, Newton, Tristan Newton, all he did was whoop, whoop. That's a good basketball team. I have no idea who goes to the pros. I have no idea who goes where. But, but if enough of them stay together, you're going to see this particular crew jump up. All right. Donald Trump, he's expected to turn himself in today. I was watching Fox and Friends, and people were camped out all night just to get a glimpse of the former president, I guess doing a perp walk. I guess he's got to do the whole walk up the stairs, go in there, get fingerprinted, get booked. Wouldn't it be great, like Dylan said, if he looked around and hightailed it for the streets? He just took off. Wouldn't it be great if he just, hey, look over there, guys, and phew, he skedaddled? That would be funny. That would be epic. But Donald Trump is going to be arraigned today. And here's the deal. I'm, I'm a little bit torn. I think this is completely politically and race motivated. There's no way this African-American DA would do the same with Barack Obama. There is no chance. And you have to remember something. Everybody lives in their own echo chamber. Everybody lives among their own people. So this DA lives among his own people. Who are his people? Well, his peers in the legal profession. His peers, I'm sure, think, man, you're awesome. You're going to bring down or at least embarrass Donald Trump, who all of a sudden, when he ran for president, became a racist. Wasn't a racist before he ran for president. Of course, he was a Democrat, and the numerous pictures and the numerous things he did for the African-American community uh, are beyond anything that anybody wants to talk about. Of course, he also was a jack uh, about the whole housing thing back in the day. But not everybody's perfect either way. Not perfect good, not perfect bad. We all have flaws. We all do stupid things. He's done enough. But anyway, so the DA lives among his peers. His peers are also the African-American community. 
where it is now viewed that Trump is somewhat racist. I don't get it. I don't understand it. Wages went up. Jobs went up. He did a great job as president for the African-American and other minority communities. But that's the perception. So the DA, he gets to sit there and in his echo chamber, be a hero. That's what he gets to do. He frankly just gets to be a hero. And you know what? That's what matters to people. Many people, what matters to them is what's said on Twitter. Many people, what's said to them is what's said at the barbershop. Many people, what's said to them, what matters to them is Facebook. You get my point. But the fact of the matter is, for a guy in a legal profession, a DA, you're looking for the whale. It's no different than the casino industry. Bring in the whale. Bring in the career maker. Well, this DA got himself a career maker. Now, we're going to see what happens. We're going to see what happens down the road. And remember, this is a grand jury that indicted Donald Trump. This is not just one guy that said, hey, look, go over there and get Donald Trump arrested. This is a grand jury. This is a supposed, what, 15-member group of his peers. That's where we're at with this. That's where it is. So regardless of whether you feel this is a, what do they call it, a banana republic, this is what third world countries do, that kind of thing, regardless of whether you think that, the fact of the matter is this went in front of a grand jury. And the grand jury came back to indict. Period. We'll see what happens moving forward. I guess my bigger question would be this. Let's say for the sake of argument, I think this is the most interesting, and YouTube, I want to know what you guys think. If, if this goes and just gets thrown out, a judge says, no, this is crap. Statute of limitations is over. This is at best a misdemeanor. Uh, no, throws it out. Let's just say this becomes not the trial of the century. Is it embarrassing to the DA? And if it is embarrassing, does it matter? Does it matter? I don't think it does. I don't. I, I think the DA got his pound of flesh by being the guy to bring in Donald Trump from the people, the guy for the people on the left is the most notorious guy out there. So let's just say for the sake of argument, this whole thing gets dropped back, dropped out, thrown out. I don't know. Still the guy that brought in Donald Trump. And again, in his echo chamber, in his echo chamber, that makes him a hero. Now, that's sad. That's very sad. That's one of those things where you go, that shouldn't be. The guy should be embarrassed, but you tell me. People lining up. People can't wait. There's going to be a mugshot. How many people are going to see the mugshot? What would you do in the mugshot? I don't know what I'd do. But I know this, I'd make damn sure that I don't look like Nick Nolte, or I'd make damn sure I don't look like one of these guys that you get embarrassed not only for being in a mugshot, but you get embarrassed, ladies and gentlemen, uh, by the way the mugshot looks. Now, having said all that, will you vote for Donald Trump? Does this influence, assuming he's out of jail, I mean, hell, once you get a guy in jail, you can trump up anything, no, pun, no pun intended. You can trump up anything you like. But assuming 
that he gets arrested, which is supposed to happen today, assuming that whatever happens, and it's not a, if it if it gets it's not going to get pled down. They want a felony, and you can't run for president if you're a felon. Assuming this doesn't prohibit him from being president, will you vote for Donald Trump? Does it influence your vote for Donald Trump? We're going to talk to Jason Allen Hammer uh, about that exact thing. Does it influence? Does it make you say, hey, stick it, I'm voting for Trump? It kind of does me. It does. It makes me say, all right, I think, you know what? I've not voted for Trump in the past, but I'm going to vote for him now. I think it does. Do you think the media, do you think the media, and I'm talking about across the board, has covered this fairly to this point. Do you think the media has gone out of its way to paint this in a manner that maybe it is or maybe it isn't? And if you don't know, who do you trust to tell you the actual truth? And that stinks, right? That stinks to high heaven because I want to watch somebody and I want the truth. Jason Allen Hammer is going to give us a daggone truth. But I'm just curious You know, if you're out there and you're going to vote in the next election and Donald Trump is eligible, you know, used to be if you got arrested or you had an abortion or you had something in your past, you were eliminated. Boom. Eliminated. You had, except for, of course, well, actually two guys, George W. Bush, the cocaine and Bill Clinton, all the different crazy stuff that he did. But now it's almost a badge of honor. Now it's almost, well, you know what? He got arrested. He fought for it, and away we go. A lot of people on the YouTube chat are saying, yes, Trump 2024. A lot of people, hell yes. A lot of people are saying that. I'm saying that. I'm voting for him. It's going to be a spite vote. That's right. It's going to be a spite vote. You know how Seinfeld or on Curb Your Enthusiasm, he had a spite store? Larry David did. It's going to be a spite vote. I'm not saying I'm right. I'm not saying I'm wrong. I'm just saying I'm me. And that's my opinion on things. Because I want accountability. Let me circle it all the way back. One of the things that you got out of Donald Trump when he was president, it felt like there was some accountability certain to, uh, to other nations. I don't feel like we got any accountability. I feel like we're a laughing stock right now. That's what I feel. Doesn't mean I'm right. Doesn't mean I'm wrong either. But that's certainly how I feel. Waiting for Jason Allen Hammer to hook himself up here and show his pretty face because nobody better than the man who has the number one rated news talk show in the country. You can hear him on WIBC in Indianapolis. Hammer and Nigel, three to six every afternoon. It is glorious. He is a regular member of our show because, well, he's brilliant. We're going to get into sports first. Big boy, let's talk gambling just for a minute. I felt like that number, seven and a half, was the easiest money that I saw all tournament. I loaded up on that. There'll be no door dashing for me. Your thoughts on the national championship game? Yeah, it seemed too good to be true to me that's why i i set that one out coach everybody and their brother was in on that seven and a half and usually more often than not when everybody jumps on one side 
the plays on the other side, right? But it turned out to be right last night. To me, honestly, that reeked of backdoor cover game. That reeked of a game where UConn pulls their starters out and they're high-fiving, they're celebrating championship number five, and then San Diego plays for pride, keeps their starters in, finds a way to keep it within seven and a half. Like, I was visualizing that. Like, maybe I'm negative Nancy here. I was thinking about the ways I would have my heart ripped out by betting on UConn last night. Because you're right. It seemed too good to be true. But that's how those Vegas casinos are built, on things that are too good to be true. So I didn't play that last night. Uh, but, man, what a dud of a game. Just from a basketball standpoint, just from a fan's perspective, we've had some real zeros in terms of college championship games this year. Georgia rolling up TCU and the UConn machine destroying San Diego last night. Not in the women's game, baby. I know it was a dud of a game, but we had fireworks. Fireworks. There you go. I'm here for it. Hey. I am uh, here for it. it I want more of this. I'm not mad that Angel Reese was doing the John Cena right back to Caitlin. I'm not mad at that at all. But at the same time, I wouldn't have been mad if Caitlin turned around and punched her in the face. I wouldn't be mad at that either. Like, this is what I'm talking about. This is sports. This is competitiveness. If you're going to talk the talk, you better be ready to walk the walk. And listen, everybody loves Caitlin. I get it. She's awesome. She's kind of a hybrid between Steph Curry, you know, open as soon as she crosses half court line, logo threes. But she talks a little trash now. Those in Big Ten country where I live, you know this young lady's been known to run her mouth a little bit. So you can't be mad when somebody decides to run it back right at you. But the thing for me, yeah. it feels like everybody's got their undies in a wad, Coach, except for Caitlin. She's fine. But everybody else is freaking out over this. To me, this is just ball. This is playground, going down to the park, playing on the asphalt, uh, picking up your team, and some trash talk, and I'm here for it. Oh, me too. Uh, I, I, I said this, look. Whatever the start of the women's season is, get a dome, fill it up, Iowa against LSU in Indy, in Dallas, somewhere, I don't care, and let's run it back, let's hype it up, and let's have some good TV. All right, walk me through your thoughts. Donald Trump to be arraigned and arrested today. What do you got for me? So this is going to be an absolute circus, but I think this is what everybody wants. This is what the prosecution wants. This is what Donald Trump's defense wants. They want the show. If this is going to happen, give the people what they want. So the way that it's shaping up right now, and again, this could totally change throughout the course of the day. Uh, around 2.15 this afternoon, uh, Donald Trump will appear before a judge. This will not be televised. Uh, this is something that the judge in Manhattan put out late last night. This is not going to be televised, so you're going to have to rely on the court reporting. Uh, but he will appear before a judge, and they're going to unseal the indictment. And it sounds like, according to reports, and we'll get into that here in just a moment, that we're looking at maybe 34 felonies. 34 felonies related to bank transactions, financial records, all going back to the hush money payments of Stormy Daniels. 
Now, let me ask you this. You're a smart guy, Dan. Your audience, they're smart people. Don't you think if there were just one, one legitimate felony in all of this going on, the feds would have found it already? Because the feds were looking around before anybody. And I promise you, the feds hate Donald Trump with the passion of a million fires, probably more so than Alvin Bragg, the Manhattan uh, DA. He's just doing this because it was this campaign promise. The feds hate Donald Trump more than anybody. And they've been snooping around trying to find anything they can get, whether it's going back to Russia, Russia, Russia hoax, the January 6th bullcrap, or anything else. You're going to tell me paying off a porn star is going to warrant 34 felonies? Come on now. We all see this for what it is. The left wants the mugshot. And I don't know if they're going to get it because that's right now. Uh, what is it? 925 here in Indianapolis. Uh, it's still up in the air whether or not they're going to get a mugshot of Donald Trump. It sounds like, according to all the reports, there will be no handcuffs. There will be no perp walk and the mugshot still up in the air. Now, keep in mind, Donald Trump might want the mugshot to come out because if that mugshot comes out, yes, folks on the left are going to take their pants off and go full Jeffrey Tubin. I get it. But Donald Trump can campaign off that, too. That's going to be his campaign poster. It's going to be the representation of the legal system and how crooked it is against the American people. So maybe Donald Trump wants the mugshot to get out there. Feels like everybody wins with that mugshot going out there. But this is what's really going to be off the rails today. Donald Trump's attorneys have said that he's going to speak either before or after the arraignment uh, in the Manhattan court. So this is like something from a movie, right? He's going to walk out on the stairs. He's going to talk about how corrupt the justice system is. Every camera in the world is going to be there. It's the biggest story in the world. This is going to be something we haven't seen before. And this is going to be fun. Does this help Trump in 2024? Yes, absolutely. Because I got to be honest with you, prior to all of this, even though the poll numbers say one thing, you can't look at any polling right now. Polling is ridiculous to look at right now. I honestly believe the silent majority of conservative voters were DeSantis people. And even though he has not officially declared, it kind of feels like he's going to be in it to win it. In 2016, Donald Trump won the election for two reasons. Number one, people hated Hillary Clinton. Donald Trump was the least likable person in that election. Let that sink in for just a little bit. But number two, he claimed to have that silent majority. A lot of people who said, you know what? I kind of like this outsider. I want this brash billionaire guy to go in there and shake things up. He had the silent majority. Well, since 2016, that majority is not so silent anymore, and it's not the majority. The Trump supporters are loud. They're vocal. They buy the hats. They buy the gear. They buy the flags. They do the things. The DeSantis folks, they kind of view Ron DeSantis as, I'm getting the same policies as Donald Trump, but I don't have the baggage. You know, I don't have my candidate calling a porn star horse face on Twitter. I don't have my candidate making fun of Mika Brzezinski's bloody facelift uh, when she arrived at Mar-a-Lago. We get all the same policies. We get some toughness, but we don't get the circus. And I think that's the silent majority. 
But then the indictment came down. And I know on my radio program and the people that I've spoke with, a lot of people who said, you know what, I was Team DeSantis. But like you said earlier, it's personal. It's spite right now. What they're doing to this guy is crap. And it's been one ridiculous piece of legal stuff after the other. And I'm hitching my wagon to Donald Trump again. So this has probably been the best thing for his campaign, honestly, Dan. And he's going to use this. He's been fundraising. He's made millions of dollars since the indictment came down. And I think there's a lot of people who say, look, I don't want to hang out with the guy. I don't want him to babysit my kids. I don't want him to be around my hot teenage daughter. But this guy deserves to be the president because if they're trying to keep him out, that should tell you something. Let me go this route with you. You mentioned all the felonies. Um, If you're a felon, I believe you cannot run for president. So is this a matter of we're going to throw all these felonies at the wall Hope one of them sticks. If one sticks, it eliminates Donald Trump from running for president. They're trying everything they can to keep him from running for president. And honestly, for the Democrats here, you kind of went either way, if you think about it. Because on one hand, you think, worst case scenario, this doesn't stick. All right, Donald Trump's going to be the nominee. We've beat Donald Trump before. We took a vegetable and beat Donald Trump before. So I think his base is getting a little bit smaller. Some would debate that. The left would argue that we can beat Donald Trump again. On the other side, they're playing with house money. If they get a felony to stick here, then they don't have to worry about him at all. They don't have to worry about this indictment backfiring. It's really a win-win for the Democrats here, because I think they know if they put Joe Biden up there against Ron DeSantis, they're going to have their ass handed to them. I feel like they got a puncher's chance against Donald Trump just because so many people will vote against Donald Trump the same way people voted against Hillary Clinton. That's how Donald Trump won in 2016. Yeah, there was a lot of people that jumped on board, but people hated Hillary Clinton. I feel like more people vote in presidential elections because they hate the other candidate more so than they love the guy that they're actually pulling the lever for. Well, that's why I voted for myself, truthfully, because I did not. Want, I didn't like either candidate. I, honest to God, I'm like I can't vote for either of these two both times. I'm like, hey, I like what Trump did. I'm voting for Trump this time. If he's on a ballot, I am voting for him. And you know what? Like Larry David in Curb Your Enthusiasm, it's going to be a spite vote as much as anything else. I'm with you, and you're not the only one. I hear this a lot. Like a lot of folks that were DeSantis are now on Team Trump. And and one more thing with the felonies here. Let me, let me remind our audience here that in the state of New York, where this is taking place at today, it is a felony to leak what's happening with a grand jury indictment to the media. It's already happened. But does anybody have any sort of faith or confidence that the authorities and the fact finders are going to find the leaker who sent this out to the media, that it was going to be 34 felony charges, that it was going to be this and that. No way in hell. The same way they never found the Supreme Court leaker, the same way that we don't have any sort of information on the Biden crime family. It's funny, when the political left in this country wants something leaked, it happens. But when you want some real 
information. When you want to find out who's on the flight log to Epstein's pedophile island, it's crickets. You got Lincoln Lion, James Comey's daughter, the prosecutor, not the defense, but the prosecutor sealing up that document. And we're never going to find out who it is. But I guarantee you, coach, if that list of pedophile island was Ted Cruz, Rand Paul, all these high ranking Republicans, you would have had it out and leaked the next day. Oh, there's no question. I think the American, and I do think this, I do think Donald Trump needs to be careful when he speaks today. I think he, I'm not saying he needs to be a sympathetic figure, but he needs to be a smart figure here. He can't be a ranting lunatic, I don't think. I don't think that helps his cause. I I, I don't. Honestly, uh, Jason, I think that he has to be smart here with what he says. He can't help himself. He can't help himself. His lawyers, they're going to tell him, this is exactly what we want you to say. Stick to the talking points. Stick to the talking points. The minute he walks out there and he sees... 200-plus cameras and CNN and Fox and ABC and CBS, you are going to get off the rails Donald Trump. And you might get it twice, maybe three times today, because he's also speaking at Mar-a-Lago tonight when he gets back to Florida at 8.15. Thanks for the time, my friends. It's going to be a fun day. You guys have a lot to talk about, 3 to 6 on WIBC. Thanks, my guy. You got it. There you go. Off he goes, as my friend Mark Packer says. Uh, it's going to be fascinating today. I got a lot of sports to get to, though. Let's go. Uh, we'll be right back. Man, I'm fired up. Sack the hell up and don't go anywhere. Don't at me. We'll be right back after this. I'm going to hit you with something I just saw. I'm going to hit you with something that is amazing if you gamble. So according to covers on Twitter, UConn, listen to this. This is how dominant they were. We always say, man, does Vegas get it right? Damn, does Vegas nail it? Man. All right. UConn finished their six games, 6-0 against the spread, which is remarkable in itself. Listen to this. And covered by an average of nearly 15 points per game. How about that? So last night the spread was 7.5. What did they win, by 13 or 17? So they didn't get to that number, but they covered easy. You know, that's truly remarkable because most people are going to say, well, you know, Vegas gets it right. How do they get it so right? How do they get it so close? How do they get it? Right there. And that's what you heard Jason Allen Hammer say is, man, I just thought it was going to be a backdoor. I thought, blah, 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 blah. All I did yesterday was after the game on Saturday, the games, I put a spread in my mind. Man, San Diego State is really going to struggle watching them back to back. I put a 10 and a half. The line was seven and a half. I bet my face off on UConn last night just because, man. It's what we're supposed to do. But anyway, I thought that was interesting. Back to the women's final four. 9.9 million viewers, high of 12.5. It's the Caitlin Clark fact. Now, there have been great players. And somebody asked me, well, what do you mean the Caitlin Clark fact? You're seeing it all right there. The Caitlin Clark factor was this. She, for whatever the reason, 
deep shooting, great handles, vision. You know, African-American folks, well, she's a white girl. Uh, Fine, whatever. But the truth of the matter is, Caitlin Clark captured the imagination, the interest of our country. And even with the two biggest brands in college women's basketball, USC, not the USC out west, but East USC, South Carolina, playing against UConn last year, did half of that. It was a monster number last year, don't get me wrong, five and a half million. But Kim Mulkey, her team, domination, but it was a Caitlin Clark factor that made a lot of guys and gals watch women's basketball at a time where they had never watched. And I want to give you something else. This wasn't in prime time. No, this was not in prime time. You know what this was in? This was 3.30 in the afternoon on a Sunday. I mean, look, the NFL can dominate 3.30 in the afternoon on a Sunday. But let's be totally honest. How often does women's basketball, I know it was on ABC, which is the big network, which is outstanding. But the fact of the matter is, you add all that up, Caitlin Clark dominated our sensibilities over the weekend. And then, of course, race dominated it after that. All right. This is a weird world that we live in, ladies and gentlemen. This is a weird world. I told you of when we, when we got bought at Emmis on my radio show, and we went from being owned by a local family, Jeff Smolian, Emmis Broadcasting, to a more national group called Urban One, things changed. I went to a diversity meeting at Urban One. Now, Urban One is an African-American-owned a company that makes it very clear that we are going to be the voice, they are going to be the voice of the African-American community, and it's great. I went there, and I went to a diversity training meeting. And in that diversity training meeting, they told me, you're not really allowed, I don't know about allowed, but you really shouldn't say guys. Hey, guys, it should be folks. You know, people will put uh, as an introductory informal email instead of, dear Mr. Dockage, hey, guys, You're supposed to say folks because, well, let's be honest, guys can be offensive. It's exclusionary, I was told. So let's fast forward. Let's fast forward to, oh, I don't know, a superintendent, a college superintendent that is wanting a job. Uh, A would-be superintendent says his job offer was rescinded because he addressed two women as ladies in an email. Now, I just want to let that sink in for a second. Ladies in an email. Uh, I don't know about you, but what's the problem with that? What, what, what's the problem? I, I, I'm looking at uh, guys, uh, blah, 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 blah. What, 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 what is it? What, what is the issue? It's pretty funny. It's called a microaggression. It's a microaggression. Vito Peroni says he was shocked and devastated after East Hampton School pulled its offer to lead the district because he used the term ladies in an email to the committee chair. He addressed them. Uh, 
he was going over three negotiating points after the committee had offered him the job. Following the email, Peroni was invited to an executive session held over Zoom. They informed Peroni, no more job offer. And they said, because the email you sent was addressed to ladies, and that was a microaggressive, it was disrespectful and unacceptable. As an educational leader, you should know that was a microaggressive. You can't lead us in a direction that we want to go. Ladies and gentlemen, your Indiana Hoosiers. Ah, oh, man, I got to tell you, the world is completely insane. Like, who gets hurt by saying ladies? Doesn't micro mean very, very, how is that aggressive? Let's take the word micro small. Aggression, that's aggressive? Ladies? That's aggressive? You guys are nuts. See, I love this job for a variety of reasons. And one of the reasons I like this job is because we can tell you how nuts you are. You're insane. You're out of your mind out there. Jeez. Uh, the Chinese spy uh, balloon, remember that thing? Remember all the lies told there? We didn't shoot it down because it was risky. It didn't really, didn't really get any intel. Spy balloon successfully transmitted information back to Beijing despite efforts to block it because our president and his people are inept. Uh, it flew across the United States. China was able to control the balloon so it could take multiple passes over some of the sites and transmit the information it collected back to Beijing in real time. The intelligence China collected was mostly from electric signals that can be picked up from weapon systems or include communication from base personnel. How about that? So they could find out about our weapon system and pick up real-time, real-time conversations. Is that unbelievable? Is it unbelievable that this is where we are at? Knowing it was going to enter airspace, we took action to limit the ability of the balloon to garner anything of additive or especially useful content. This guy Kirby, who is the National Security Council's spokesman. Can you imagine? Like, just fly over, China. Just fly over, get all the intel you want. Jeez. I mean, we live in a world that is insane. I may just put a wall up around me. I may get one of those, you know those balloon, big old balls that people run into each other and bang onto each other? <laughs> I mean, honest to God. What are we doing, people? We're letting the biggest threat to our freedom, China, fly a balloon over our country and don't have the stone don't have the stones to shoot it down. Also, that, here's what's even worse. What's even worse is that China knew they could fly that balloon over our country to gather intel. They knew they could do that. They were unabashed, unafraid of our this administration led by Jolton Joe Biden. They did not even think twice. 
for doing the most egregious act of spying, the most visible act of spying the world has ever known. Usually spies are clandestine. There's some double agents. Remember that guy that slept with a, or a Chinese spy? He didn't know she was hot. He is a guy. He started throwing it around. But this was right in our face. And we didn't have the stones to do anything about it. Explain this to me. Explain it to me. The fact that we didn't shoot it down is one thing. But the fact that China thought they could do this is so ridiculous, so embarrassing. But nobody really cares. Nobody really cares. This is incredibly embarrassing. But nobody really cares. It's amazing. Uh, some of you, and I'm going to get into this, Dylan Mulvaney, a guy masquerading as a woman, prancing around, is the new, think about this, the new face of Bud Light. I am done with Bud Light. I will not drink Bud Light. I will not order. I love Mango Cart. It's a Budweiser pro. I'm off of it. I celebrate women. I celebrate real women. And Michelle Tafoya is going to join me coming up here in about 10 minutes. And we're going to talk about this. I'm done with Bud Light. Done. Done with Budweiser. Done. D-U-N. Done. Don't want it at my golf outings. Don't want it anywhere. Nowhere. Zip. Zero. Zilch. We'll get into that in a minute. All right. The Masters. The Masters is coming up here, ladies and gentlemen. And it is a tradition unlike any other. All right. Okay. Let's go to the favorites. Rory McIlroy. Here's the deal with the Masters. Before you say, well, you know, you can't bet on golf. It's too hard. Yeah, you can. Tell you why. It's a limited field, number one. Very limited field. You got to have one, the restrictions. It may be the easiest of all the tournaments to bet on. All right, Roy McIlroy at 650, Scotty Scheffler 650, Rom 900, Cantlay 1400. Means you put 100 dollars down, you get 650 back if Roy wins. Same thing with Scheffler 900 on Rom, 1400 on Patrick Cantlay. Remember, and we're gonna have Ryan Burr on tomorrow live from the Masters. Remember, ladies and gentlemen, this is the easiest to bet, and the cream always rises. I don't care what happens with some nondescript guy shooting 64 on Thursday. That happens. But I'm telling you right now, there is no better theater in golf. There isn't anything better than Masters Sunday. I got to find a place to watch it. I'm going to be up in Chicago. Lee has a game she's doing for Big Ten Network. I'm actually thinking about, well, driving somewhere, maybe to my mother's, sitting there watching and then picking her up. It's a big day for me, Masters Sunday. But the cream always rises. So we'll give you tomorrow Ryan Burr's picks. And Ryan Burr is money on it. But don't think for a second. Don't be that guy that says, hey, you can't bet on golf. Of course you can bet on golf. You should bet on golf. And if you're going to bet on golf, the Masters is the easiest one to bet on. And of all of the golf tournaments, the Masters and, I think, the U.S. Open, the adage, the tournament doesn't start until the back nine on Sunday has never been more true. I already have people asking me, who are you going to bet on? I don't know. 
but it wouldn't be bad to put $100 on all four of those guys. If uh, Rory comes in, it gets you $650, so you only lo- you win $350. That's a good move. You take those four guys, you put 100 bucks on each. If Candelay wins, your toes are tapping. Now, there's other great players, don't get me wrong, but that's a pretty solid move right there. Just bet those guys. Are 10 bucks each. Your toes are going to be tapping. Seriously. Now, the other interesting thing about the Masters is people are making a big deal about the Live Tour. What if a Live Tour guy plays against, you know, a non-Live Tour guy? Look, things don't happen in a vacuum. They just don't. They don't happen like, well, you know. Um, he's on the Live Tour. I'm on this tour. Now, for 20 years, we've been playing with and against each other. It's not like all of a sudden you come out and you don't have a relationship with the guy. I mean, what are you, insane? What are you, nuts? So stop with all that nonsense. I'll give you a couple others. Jordan Spee, 1,600. He seems to crap the bet. Tony Finau, plus 2,000. It's not bad business. Scotty Scheffler, top five. You can get plus 165. That's not bad business. There's nothing wrong with that. Brooks Kepka just won a live event. He's plus 4,000. He has a, I don't know, he seems to show up at the big moments. And Tiger Woods, ladies and gentlemen, plus 8,000. Put 100 bucks on Tiger Woods, you're paying your mortgage for a few months. That's pretty good business. If he wins, I don't think he can win. Here's the other thing about Tiger Woods, all right? Tiger Woods has to walk the toughest course in America to walk. That's not true. That's a lie. Tiger Woods has to walk a very tough course that on the PGA Tour is one of the most difficult courses to walk. And he's got to do it for four days. Four days. One day, I. He's got a leg that is literally shriveled up. Again, I'll tell you, Ryan Burr will have it all for you tomorrow. He's got a leg that's basically shriveled up, and you got to do it four days in a row. To quote my father, who are you crapping? Who are you crapping? You ain't crapping me. Stop it, stupid. Just stop it. Uh, my man Alan Cashman says, I prefer my Bud Light without nuts. Hey, I don't know what to tell anybody. The only thing that I can tell you is this. Uh, Bud Light, you lost me as a customer. And I can't wait. I can't. I cannot wait to talk to uh, (laughs) uh, Michelle Tafoya about it. Look, I, I don't mind if you put somebody on there. I don't care who you put on there. It doesn't matter to me. It doesn't matter. Except it does when you put a fake woman on there and try to celebrate her 365 days of being a girl. It's crap. I celebrate real women. Celebrate Riley Gaines, who is speaking out against all these fake women that are trying to win or that are competing against men and winning. Celebrate that. Quit celebrating fake women. Quit celebrating fake people. And if you don't like what I'm saying, tough. It's my opinion. It's just my opinion. I'm just telling you, it's my opinion. You don't like my opinion? Don't listen to my opinion. But that, ladies and gentlemen, is my opinion. Oh, by the way, by the way, before we get to Michelle Tafoya, I'm tired of my Colts. 
I'm tired of the media talking about my Colts. I've had enough of the media telling me about my Colts. Look, here's the deal. Yes, Jimmy Irsay says he doesn't like giving guaranteed contracts, and that is a direct line to Lamar Jackson. That has no factor in whether the Colts sign Lamar Jackson. Now I'm hearing the Colts may be involved in Lamar Jackson. Same thing I heard last week, but blah, blah, blah. I don't want to hear any more of it. The only person I want to hear talking about Lamar Jackson is me or Lamar Jackson. People don't know. Look, as soon as Jimmy Ursay said something about Bryce Young, all the idiots in their mock drafts on ESPN all of a sudden had the Colts moving up to take Bryce Young. Everybody knew that wasn't going to happen because the Colts don't have stones. They have no stones, period, none, zero, zip, nada, no stones. You got to have stones to trade for number one. You do. They have no stones. And then second off, Bob Knight, for you local guys, Uh, Bob Knight was released from the hospital. A lot of you are asking me. I'm looking at it now. Uh, I have no update on it. I don't have a relationship with Knight. I don't have a relationship with his wife. I don't have a relationship with his kids. And frankly, uh, I'm on group text with a bunch of former players, and no one's even texted about it. No one's asked, hey, what is anybody hearing? No one's asked anything about it. I I don't have any idea other than I heard he went home. Uh, That was said in a little bit of a note from Patrick Knight that Knight went home uh, after a brief stay in the hospital. He's 82 years old. He hasn't been in great health. Again, I don't know the man. I haven't talked to him since since we had a contentious discussion in the basement at ESPN uh, when he tried to tell me that there should be more coaches on the NCAA selection committee, and I told him all the ridiculous reasons that it shouldn't be, and, of course, he got mad and blah, 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 blah. So I have no update on that, uh, and I don't – I care. I mean, I care because I'm a compassionate uh, person, but it, you know, it is what it is. I mean, I guess uh, – Yeah, Patrick Knight said he was out of the hospital. Dick Vitale said he had pneumonia. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not going to say I don't care, but it's one of those deals where I guess I don't care. I I don't – I I feel bad saying that, but he's 82 years old. I I don't know him. I I haven't been around him. I don't want to be – I don't like – his wife, his kids are all – so, you know, I didn't, I didn't think I heard anything from him when my father died. So if I'm just going to be honest with you, uh, I don't care. But I did get the same email as a former player from Indiana University. They have an alumni newsletter they send out. And I got to tell you, uh, whoever leaked it sucks. It's that simple. I said it yesterday. I'll say it today. Whoever leaked it sucks. You should not leak stuff. I don't like leaking stuff. I don't understand leaking stuff. Dan, you should go visit Bob Knight and bury the hatchet once and for all. Forgive as God forgave us. Nothing to forgive. We had our discussion. We we cleared whatever air there was. There's no hatchet to bury. And I asked, actually, I asked Dr. Rink about that. He said, well, he wouldn't know who you are. I said, okay. Yeah, there's no hatchet to bury. It's just a thing where I not interested. And I'm sure that makes me a bad guy, and I'm cool with that. Can't wait to talk to Michelle Tafoya. We are going to speak on someone who we will just use initials, DM, when we come back. That's it. I got to take a break. 
We'll be right back with more on Don't At Me across the Outkick Network. You know, one of the great follows on Twitter uh, is Michelle Tafoya because, frankly, she's not afraid. And that's the beauty of leaving broadcast TV, like leaving ESPN. I can talk about anything. Michelle left, was the best sideline reporter in the history of the NFL, and she left to get involved in the world, the world of actual important stuff or, I guess, weird stuff. Uh, <laughs> Michelle joins us. All right, I love the fact that, he who shall not be named, dressing up as a girl, DM, I'll say it so people know, Dylan Mulvaney, uh, is, is now the new Bud Light face. This is a guy dressing up as a woman, Michelle, correct? Yes, this is a guy whose uh, earlier claim to fame was being on The Price is Right. And when he got called down, you know, come on down, um, was so outlandish and funny and flying around the stage and dancing and jumping and uh, that that was the first, I think, bout of attention that he got and he must have loved it. Well, now he's figured out the way to get attention is by counting to 365 days of being a girl. But the issue here is this person is not a girl. He is a biological male who dresses up as a girl. And here's the contradiction. On the one hand, he says he is trans. She says, heaven forbid, I misgender. He says he is trans. She says she's transitioning from male to female. On the other hand, one of the videos posted by DM is in a pair of shorts that reveals that this person has a bulge. Okay. And that he went out shopping in these shopping shorts that he labeled these black leather shorts, his shopping shorts. And said, uh, people started looking at him and he realized, she realized it was because of the bulge in the shorts. And so he starts singing about normalize the bulge, normalize the bulge. Well, as you can imagine, biological women don't have that bulge. So does he want to be a woman or not? Is he transitioning to full womanhood or not? And no matter how hard he tries, he can't fully transition because he'll... Sorry, you said you didn't want to get gross, right, Dan? But I got to. He's never going to have a period, right? He's never going to have a uterus uh, unless they come up with some way to implant him with a uterus. He's not going to be capable of carrying a child. So th this, this notion that being a woman is simply dressing up and prancing about like a cartoon princess I mean, we've sent we've set women back dramatically if that's what we consider to be a woman. You know, um, I don't know. Real women like you, my wife. I mean, I don't get it. I, I don't get why we are so comfortable and I call it denigrating women. I, 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 I we we. I don't get it. Women and kids, it's like, all right, we can step all over you because you put some makeup on and act like an idiot. I, I don't get where this started, Michelle. Yeah, I'm unclear on where it started as well. 
I, I really can't answer that. And and I think that would take a deep dive into this whole, you know, gender fluid stuff. We had gender benders like Boy George, you know, back in the 80s. And even David Bowie kind of did some some experimentation with his character. But it was always within this character of of David Bowie on stage, whatever. I mean, he was a happily married man until he died. So um, whatever that means to you, okay? I realize we are in this sensitive material that that you can right, come up with right. exceptions to. You can come up with exceptions to everything, you know? So I don't know where this started, but this notion that it's okay for an eight-year-old child to say, mom, dad, I don't really think I'm a boy. I think I'm a girl. I want to be a, a girl. Okay, honey, let's go start on some hormone therapy and, you know, the the drugs that 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 start this whole transition. And let's think about removing your mammaries. I, at that age, I mean, we're talking about people whose brains are not developed, Anne. We're talking about kids. And so, and, you know, and they want to expose them to, to the literature and stuff that's out there about transgenderism and all the various uh, genders that one can be. Um, I, I just let them be kids. Let them figure this out. I mean, I, I, I'll tell you, there's a reason we say that the brain isn't fully developed until age 25. It's because, follow the science, the brain isn't fully developed until age 25. And it's that that part of the brain, that decision-making part of the brain. And we know that to be true. So why we're allowing children to make these massive, life-changing decisions as elementary school kids? Wow, I, I, I can't imagine why a parent would 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 allow the medical community to intervene at that point. Um, I always say this, if when my son was growing up, there was a little girl who is now a mom that was the best athlete. You know, she pitched in a little league. She played football. She was always in our backyard and they were always playing. And, and his dad said, could you imagine now if the went to school and the teachers were telling her because she's an athlete, you know, you're probably a boy. You might want to think my friend's wife would have left a trail of dead bodies at that school would have just gone absolutely <laughs> bat blank crazy. You know what I mean? I mean, yeah. the idea that the, here's what I read. You tell me if I'm wrong, but I'm, I, I keep seeing our president, our first lady, everybody telling us gender is under attack. Gender is under attack. So I read an article in the New York times and the New York times slanted it. But when you really read it, you know what under attack means, Michelle? Okay, sixth grade and below, you're not allowed to talk about science. That's part of legislation. Not allowed to talk about gender identity in public schools. That's a legislation going on. You have to have two doctors and parental consent to be able, under the age of 18, to go through the treatments to transition unless you have two doctors saying you have severe dysphoria or whatever the hell it's called. That's not under attack. That's just putting guidelines to your exactly. point about a brain not being fully functioned. Exactly. Exact Gu guidelines and guardrails so that we don't do something stupid that we're going to later regret. And in fact, we have a number of people going public who say I transitioned when I was really young and now I'll never have kids. I have emotional distress. I have psychological problems. 
they want to get back to their normal gender because and they and they really feel as though they were influenced by the medical community that these people surrounded them and said, oh, you poor thing, you have gender dysphoria. And the only way to make you feel better about yourself is to change you into the opposite sex. And and now they're trying to get back and, and their lives have been absolutely crushed. Look, we all go through a lot when we're little kids. And we think, I mean, I had a best friend who used to run around pretending she was a lion. You know, no one tried to turn her into a lion. No one tried to put her into the zoo. They just let her run around like she was a lion. And and now, interestingly enough, she lives in in, uh, Africa and she works on a on a on a preserve to help save chimpanzees. So she followed her passion all the way through. And she's married to a, 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 a wildlife vet. So this was part of her. But it didn't mean she was a lion, Dan. It didn't mean she was a lion. And you mentioned the first lady. And I want to get to something that that the first lady said after the NCAA championship game between LSU and Iowa. And and I know you talked about inviting both teams to uh, to the White House. But let me just get back to this. She said after that game, what a great game. You know, she said, I'm old enough to remember Title IX. We fought so hard, fought so hard. She underscored this for women's sports. And and gosh, look where we are. Isn't this great? And yet I have not heard her take a stance on biological men competing against women in the same women's sports that we fought so hard for back in Thailand. I remember, too, because my dad had three daughters and he was so excited about this and wanted us all to pursue whatever athletic dreams we could. And so, you know, I remember Title IX vividly. I'm happy to see a lot of athletes, including a friend of mine, Summer Sanders, getting involved in trying to say to stop this insanity of biological men stepping in and defeating a bunch of women in the sports that we work so hard to cordon off for women. Isn't it amazing the hypocrisy? It's it's insane. That's why I call my podcast Sideline Sanity, because I, 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 I'm trying to find sanity in the world, and I'm finding it more and more difficult every day to find that sanity. I wake up every day and go, I'm sorry, well, I just read this or I saw this, and we're still insane. I, I feel like this is a dream that we can't wake up from, and I, I'm I'm not sure how it got so powerful, this, this, this upside-down nature of the world that, you know— just everyone's so angry and full of rage. And I think feeling, feeling, I'm not sure, but frustration and rage is the best word I can come up with because people are outraged by everything these days, by everything. One of the things that came out of the national championship game was Angel Reese and Caitlin Clark. Now, look, Whatever anybody wants to say about the game, the better team won the game. No question about it. And whatever anybody wants to say about the refs, the refs were horse bleep, horrible technical foul, blah. But the better team won the game. What was your take on the aftermath between Angel Reese? And I think it's still going uh, because (laughs) Jill Biden wants the second place team, Iowa, to come to the White House. And, you know, Angel Reese said, no, 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 that's a joke. Uh, What's your take on that whole scenario post game? Well, first of all, I agree with Angel Reese that one of the honors 
of winning a national championship, winning a Super Bowl, winning a World Series, winning winning a Stanley Cup, whatever it is, you get to go to the White House and be recognized. Not the second place team, the winner. So I'm with Angel Reese on that. I think it's a joke. And I think that Jill Biden is trying to be all things to all people or I don't know feelings. I, I don't know. But I, that that to me is sort of a slap in the face to the champions when you want to say, hey, bring everyone. Hey, why not bring the whole final four? They all played well. Hey, why not bring the whole field? Um, I mean, so, yes, right. you, 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 I think you said earlier to the victor go the spoils. Now, as far as the interaction between Caitlin Clark and Angel Reese, I didn't like it. I didn't like it when Caitlin Clark did the whole John Cena thing in an earlier game in the Elite Eight. But I really didn't like it either when Angel Reese did it back to her for far longer and then did the whole ring finger thing. Now, look, they can do whatever they want. It's America. You can taunt. You can trash talk. That's one of the things people love about sports, right? Let them go at it. I, I don't I don't really care that much. But for me and for my taste, I didn't like it when either of them did it. I'm just I, I, I like I'm really attracted to the athletes who when they score a touchdown, they hand the ball back to the ref. I, that's how I, I've always been that way my entire life. I just like the yeah, I've been here before. Here you go, ref. Here's the ball. Uh, I just like that. That's a personal thing. So I I didn't. And and I will say this, that the game was still going on when Angel Reese did all that gesturing. And given that the refs had just given a technical to Caitlin Clark for batting the ball away and not given a technical for all of that taunting, which for sure, I believe, now I can't prove it, but I think in the men's game, a technical would have been called. Um, so either the officials weren't watching her or they just didn't feel it was a technical foul. But, I, you know, I thought it was as to whether what Angel Reese wants to do. That's up to her. I, I really don't. I don't care. It's just that that's that's a celebration that I'm, I'm not into. You know, um, I had I, I, I'm friends with a bunch of officials and <laughs> I'm not going to say any names. But I got so many texts. Well, the office of DEI had to be very happy about the officials in that game. But the women and the teams deserved much better because there's no way those three officials were the best three officials in the women's game. That was a disgrace, I thought, to the players and to the teams for the work they put in that you don't put the best on the court. There's no way anybody can, can convince me those three officials were the best women's basketball had. No chance. Well, you know, I've, I saw a lot of complaining about the officials after the game. And so I, I didn't see the entire game. I didn't see the entire men's game. It was a yawn, frankly, last night. But um, so I, right. I didn't watch as closely as a lot of people did. But I did see a lot of complaining about the officials. And I would hope that the NCAA would go back and review what they saw and say, did we have the best three out there? And if not, why not? Uh, how do we get better at this? And have the officials look at that game and say, did we call it the way we should have? How do we learn from this? Because that's all you can do at this point is say, well, let's go back and see where we made mistakes and what could have been different and what could have been more fair. Um, so, I, you know, whatever it happens, it happens at every level um, rarely in the Super Bowl. In the Super Bowl, you tend to get the very best, although I'm sure people will come up with examples of of errors made. There's always an exception. But I did hear that a lot about the refs in that women's game, and so I, I think it deserves review. But I as no you said earlier, as, huh? you, as you said earlier, LSU was 
by far the better team. They, Iowa just couldn't stop them from scoring. They deserve that win. Yeah, there's no question about it. No, 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 no question. I really didn't have a dog in the fight. I just wanted to watch. And it was, I, I, I didn't have Twitter on for a while. And I'm like, man, these officials are horrible. Then I turned Twitter on. And if Twitter is there for affirmation, then my thoughts got affirmed, right? Because if it's a, it, hey, Michelle, it, it used to be if two guys in a bar told you something, it was absolutely true. But now it's if Twitter agrees with you, it's it's absolutely. Hey, well, that's a I little bit scary, Dan. I don't I don't want you to live your life by the the measures of Twitter. I really don't want you to do that. I'm going back to two guys in a bar. It's more fun I, that way. I think that's so. safer. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I love what you're doing with Nike. You're relentless on Nike. Tell people what's going on here. Well, so, I mean, look, we had LeBron James say that people were not educated about what's going on in China uh, with manufacturing and so forth. Um, Look, China is a bad actor and they just own us in terms of manufacturing right now. We are so entangled and Nike is one of those big big companies. It was founded in the United States of America is manufacturing in China so that it can save a lot of money. And I get it. We've moved, we, we surrendered a ton of our manufacturing to China. It, I, I, in the last five years have come to really appreciate how dangerous that is because as soon as China wants to say, eh, we don't want to work with you anymore and we don't want to send you our stuff anymore or whatever they want to do. They are hostile actors in China. And for American businesses to be so entangled with their with with their with the CCP, which the Communist Party, which runs everything in China, do not fool yourselves into thinking that it's any other way. So I always ask Nike when they post a new, hey, check out this shoe, check out this jacket, check out these socks, whatever. I say, where are they made, Nike? I want them to own it. I want them to, I'm just one person. I realize I'm not going to make that much of a difference here, but I'm not going to stop trying. I'm still going to try. So I call them out because I, you know, I I really think that if they, if they were a country that cared, a company, Ooh, that was a Freudian slip. If they were a company that cared, (laughs) they, they would disentangle themselves from a government run um, manufacturing system in China that relies on slavery, that is hostile to America, that is committing genocide against the Uyghurs there, a, a Muslim sect of, of people in, in China. And it, it's just scary to me, very, very scary. I, I think they're the biggest threat, not only to the United States, but to the kind of the, the, the West, if we're going to call it the West, um, civilized countries. And they really want the power. And as long as we keep paying them, I guess they're going to have it. You know, the the whole idea, and I say this all the time, I just do a show and, you know, not, I don't know how many people watch. I, but sometimes you got to do stuff like what you're doing with Nike to kind of make yourself feel good about at least you're taking a swing. You know what I mean? Yeah. At least you're, yeah. you're, 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 you know, I mean, because, okay, you're one person, but at least you're taking a swing. At least you're not sitting back, you know, doing nothing. You know what I mean? I do know what you mean. And that inspired my whole departure from, from 
covering sports. I, I, you know, look, I've told you this before, Dan, when I was on Sunday Night Football, I realized that was the number one show on primetime for 11 straight years, probably 12 now, and the crown jewel for, for NBC. And as one small role player in that show, it would not be cool of me to uh, court controversy on Twitter or anywhere else. And so I didn't. And I understood that. And I accepted that role. But I also gave myself a deadline. I said, you know what? I, I, I so want to be part of this conversation. I want to take a swing, as you put it. I want to speak out about things I believe in or don't believe in. I got to leave. And there was really no other choice. And my husband knew it. And I knew it. And my friends at NBC knew it. And so I came up with that Super Bowl deadline of uh, the LA Super Bowl and I said I'm done after this and I'm I'm just I've got to go speak out. So look, like I said, I I'm one person. You're I feel exactly like you do, Dan. I've got my little podcast here. I I do some other appearances. But I can't not. I can't sit here and not speak about the things that I think are really really important. And maybe this is not trendy right now or chic, but I love this country because I know what else is out there. I've been there. I adopted my daughter from Colombia, South America. I've been to Russia. I've been to Japan. I've I've been all over the world. I've I've been to Brazil. I've been to a lot of places where they don't enjoy what we enjoy here. And um, I, I know what we have and I know it's worth saving. Any regrets? As you look back None. now, a year later? Not a single one. None. Not a single one. Nope. I don't. Uh, I mean, I people it. ask me all the time if I miss it. And I don't. I mean, I look, I miss my friends. I miss some of that excitement. But I don't. I had done it for so long. And I don't feel like I left anything on the, on the on, you know, I, I left it all on the field, Dan. I did my best every <laughs> single week. I worked extremely hard every single week, uh, uh, every day that I covered sports, I worked at my hardest. I really did. I, I feel like I left it all there. But this is so much more important to me. I have two kids. I, I'm leaving the world to my two kids, and I, I, I'm scared of what might be their future. And I'm willing to, to, to speak up for them and for anyone else who doesn't feel like they're in a position to talk. I have so many friends who are afraid to speak out. They're afraid to post what they really think on Facebook or Twitter because they don't want to lose friends, lose their job, whatever. So I'll, I'll do it. You know, I had a, it's interesting you say that. I had a pretty prominent friend text me uh, during the women's game. Hey, Dan, uh, I, I can read it, but I'm going to paraphrase it because it'd be a hard time finding. Basically, he said, how many people do you think are afraid to – glorify or whatever word you want to talk about Caitlin Clark due to rape being called a racist. He said, mm -hmm. I am. And I thought, nah, I don't know about that. I, I, I don't know. But you know what? That's kind of the world we live in a slip up and man, it, it, you know, it, and it doesn't even have to be a slip up. It can be against what the current narrative is and people that are in certain positions. Like I know this when I was at ESPN, Honest to God, I'd, I'd get a text or I'd get a call from, you know, Norby Williamson, who's the head of it, going, oh, I can't believe you you tweeted that. I'm like, what, what did I tweet? Like, you know, uh, or 
Seth Greenberg and I were just on Twitter kind of discussing the debate, and we, you know, we get a call, hey, no politics. I'm like, what the hell? We didn't, you know what I mean? It was like, stop, just stop. It, it, I don't know. It's a weird. Well, no politics I, I unless it. brought that up. No politics unless it fits a certain agenda, right? I mean, I think we see one side being allowed to speak out. I remember seeing, Dan, some uh, women's college basketball games and the commentators came on the air after the, the the law passed that you referred to earlier in Florida. And they made this whole spiel before they even started about talking about the game, about how they denounced the law in Florida, and blah, 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 blah. And then they started calling the game. And I thought, and it happened all all afternoon on on the network that day, and I was like, okay, um, do, do they even have they read the bill? Do they do they really right. know what they're saying? Do they really know what they're saying, or have they been given a headline from one source and decided to roll with it? You know, and that's uh, the the less educated we are, the more downhill we're going to go fast. Well, I watched Jalen Rose go on, on on the court at the NBA Finals and lie about somebody dead, not dead, holding a weapon, not holding a weapon. I mean, it was un- unbelievable uh, to me. And I think after that show, he got a raise. So there you go. There you go. So it's what it is. Thank uh, you, it's Michelle. A, uh, You're awesome as you always. Got it. Thank Good you to talk so to much. you. Be well. Hey, hey, before you go, the podcast, tell people what it is, where it is, and where they can find it. Sideline Sanity. They can find it wherever you find your podcast. YouTube is the video version, obviously, and then Apple, Spotify, everywhere else for the for the audio. We appreciate it if you subscribe. Right. Subscribe. Ring the bell. I didn't even know what that meant until about two weeks ago. Ring the bell and subscribe. <laughs> <laughs> That's the great Michelle Tafoya. Uh, we'll be right back. When we come back, I got the top five basketball teams as I rank them at the end of the year. I got a lot to get to here yet. What are we doing? We got a lot to talk to you. But let me see. Hold on before I just start lying to you. Uh, we got our two woke dopes coming up, our top five basketball teams. Look, Angel Reese ain't wrong. She's not wrong. Of course she's not wrong. There's no way Iowa's women's team came in, come in second. Should be invited to the White House. To the victor go to spoils, people. We'll be right back. We'll be right back. Got to take a short break here. We are rolling with Don't At Me, and you don't want to miss it. Stay tuned. You know, people have a tendency to lose their minds and are, well, a guy we respect the least um, in the media is not... Dan Wolken. Dan Wolken is number two. Uh, number one, of course, is Greg Doyle. Dan Wolken said about the women's tournament or in the men's tournament that the level of play in the women's tournament is so much better than this, meaning the men's tournament, that if, if you don't agree, you might just be a misogynist. That's just stupid. Oh my God. It's just stupid. Oh, dang. Everybody, if you don't agree with me, you're a misogynist. Uh, Jay Williams, if you don't agree with Angel Reese or you question Angel Reese, then you're a racist. 
Where do these guys, these entitled little guys, where do they get off? If you don't agree with me, then you're some kind of ist. It's the most amazing world that we live in right now. It is true. If you don't agree with me, a little snot-nosed media guy named Dan Wolken, then you might be a misogynist. Screw you. <laughs> Jay Williams, who's trying to get back into good graces with a guy named Dave Roberts, who runs all things ESPN. Apparently, Dave doesn't like Jay Williams, so Jay got demoted from a bunch of different things. He's trying to make a comeback. If you go after Angel Reese, then you are a racist. Shut up. You guys don't determine nothing. Zero. And if you think the whole thing with Angel Reese and her 15 seconds running around like a clown and uh, what's-her-face, Caitlin Clark's boom is the same thing, then you're an idiot. All right? Then let's go that route. You're just a stone idiot. That's all I got for you. You know, and Dan Wolken, you're an idiot. Jay Will, you're an idiot, although I like Jay Will. You guys are idiots, so let me just make my own proclamation. If you think this, as you're running by an opponent that you've known your whole life or had a back history with, is the same as running and chasing after a player for 15 seconds, if you think that's the same, then you are an idiot. Or you've never played basketball, or you just want to be an idiot. That's the best I got for you. My God, am I tired of these little, these little uh, woke, little, I don't know, media guys telling us, well, you're this, you're that, so I'll join the party. If you're that stupid that you don't understand that running by somebody doing that isn't the same as chasing somebody around for 15 seconds on the court, then you're either incredibly stupid or you're just an idiot, which is probably the same thing. My God. God, the level of stoop in our media. But, hey, I get it. I get it. Some little guy on Big Ten Network, Ray Fowles something, you know, he asked a question, how is it not the same? People gave him the answer, and then, of course, he had to change it. It's amazing the level of stoop. And it all comes down to race. It just does. I don't care whether you believe that. Just I pay attention to this. It all comes down to race. If you don't think it is the same thing what Angel Reese did, you're a racist because it's the same thing according to most African Americans in the media. Okay, fine. But it ain't the same thing, and it just shows that you're an idiot if you believe it's the same thing. Bah! Get out of my face. Top five teams. Maybe this shows that I'm not racist. Number five, ladies and gentlemen. That's right. I said it, the LSU Lady Tigers or whatever you call yourselves. I don't know. Do you call yourself the Lady Tigers? Do you call yourself? I don't know what the hell you call yourself. But you were good enough that you deserve fifth place because let's be honest, when you went through the college basketball season, Houston, Alabama were probably the two best teams, right? And you could throw Gonzaga in there. They got whomped. All three of them got whomped. They got beat. They got embarrassed. Certainly in Gonzaga's case, they got thrown to the woodshed or taken to the woodshed, whatever it is. Bah! Nobody deserves, other than the top four teams in college basketball, nobody 
other than the LSU Tigers, Lady Tigers, uh, trans, I don't know, whatever you want to call them, Tigers. They're number five. And they deserve to be number five because they showed up in the biggest moment. They did. They showed up. Did Houston show up? Of course not. Did Alabama show up? Of course not. Did Brandon Miller show up? Horrible. They didn't show up. Did Gonzaga show up? Awful. Ridiculous. Not even a show. So there you go. And don't at me about it, people, because they are number five. Numero four, ladies and gentlemen. Now, we're going to get into the final four teams here because, frankly, they deserve it. Number four, the Miami Hurricanes. Miami played terrific. Miami made my alma mater straight quit. Now, my alma mater gets mad at me. Well, you said they quit. We hate you, Dockage. Yeah, tough tomatoes. Tough tomatoes? Anyway, yeah, I said it. Tough tomatoes. Miami, good team. Got hot. Really good team late. Terrific team late. But when you watch the Final Four, they had a tough draw. Why? Because they had to play UConn. And they got whomped by UConn. Would they have beat San Diego State? Would they have beaten FAU? I don't know. But whoever was going to play UConn was going to get beaten. You see, maybe I got UConn number one. Spoiler alert. But look, at the end of the day, Miami and Jim Laranega had a great year. I mean to tell you, we always do this. We always celebrate the start of basketball season with all American teams who's number one. Feast week comes on. Wow, you won Maui. You're a great team. You won the battle for Atlantis. You're a great team. Back in the day, the preseason NIT, you're a great team. And then there's a lull, and then conference season starts, and then we get into the conference tournament, and interest picks back up, certainly big-time interest in the NCAA tournament. And let's be honest, your bones are made in the NCAA tournament. That's it. Whether it's Princeton making a surprise run to the Sweet 16 or Miami making a run to the NCAA (coughs) Final Four, you, ladies and gentlemen, are viewed as having a great season or not by how you do in the tournament. Hell, people are all over Purdue. I saw an article the other day about should Matt Painter be fired. I'm thinking, you guys are idiots. But that's the importance of the NCAA tournament. Matt Painter, by the way, and Purdue won not only the Big Ten title regular season, but they won the tournament title, flamed out third year in a row in the first round against a lesser team, and next thing you know, people want him fired. It's idiotic. Be careful what you wish for. Who are you going to get other than Matt Painter? That's any good or even remotely as good? The answer is nobody. All right, numero three, controversial here. Controversial here, no question about it, but I'm watching the game last night, and I watched the game on Saturday, and Florida Atlantic was a better team. I really believe that. I think Florida Atlantic was a better team than San Diego State. Now, San Diego State, I've watched a lot of. I've told you for a month now, or maybe two months, that I, for whatever the reason, started watching the Mountain West. A lot of the reason was because my former teammate, Steve Alford, was coaching Nevada, so I watched him. Uh, Another reason, it was on late night, and I need something other than Charlie Sheen and Two and a Half Men or Liz Lemon and Alec Baldwin. Tina Fey is Liz Liz Lemon in 30 Rock, or something other than Veep with the greatest swearing ever, and I mean ever, 
in Louis Dreyfus, Louise, or whatever the hell her name is. All right? So I was watching Mountain West basketball. It's good stuff. I thought San Diego State was good. I watched them in the tournament, first game against Charleston. I'm like, wow, really tough. But as I watched them in the Final Four, and I watched them back-to-back, I felt like they were the third-best team, not the second-best team. Yes, the Butler kid hit a shot. Yes, the whitest of all Americans, Jim Nance, used the line, the Butler did it, all that kind of stuff, and it was terrific. But my number two team was better. Yes, they didn't win. Yes, they lost by a point. Yes, I get it, blah, 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 blah. But the fact of the matter is the number two team is Florida Atlantic. I thought Florida Atlantic was tougher, played great defense, spread them out. They got a bad game, unfortunately, from Janelle Davis. Janelle Davis, who became my favorite player because, well, he's from Gary, Indiana. He's from the hood, my hood. That's right. Anybody from my neck of the woods, I root for. Always have, always will. Except for Popovich. Popovich is from my hometown, and he's become such a jag. Doesn't visit our hometown. $5,000 bottle of wines. I got two words for you. My backside. My backside hurts, Popovich, but congratulations for going into the Hall of Fame. I digress. But I thought Florida Atlantic was a, a, the second best team. I feel like Florida Atlantic would have given UConn a better game. I thought defensively they were on point. Their quickness influenced. They didn't get a bucket late. So, uh, San Diego State got a bucket late. I got to tell you, when I watched the overall, well, mo- the more I watched, Florida Atlantic, and the more I watched San Diego State, the better I thought Florida Atlantic was, and I certainly thought San Diego State was really good. But if I were going to rank the top five teams, my number two team would be Florida Atlantic. In fact, if I had a vote in the NCAA Associated Press poll, I would vote Florida Atlantic second only to UConn. That brings me to numero uno. Numero uno is UConn. UConn put on the best display of basketball we've seen since 2009 throughout the entire NCAA tournament. UConn won by an average right at 20 points a game. Now I want you to think about that just for a second. You're playing the best of the best, the hottest of the hot, and you're going to beat them by 20 points? 20? They covered the spread 6-0 by 15 points. I'm going to say that again. They covered the spread. By 15 points. So if the spread was 5, they won by 18. If the spread was 10, they won by 25. I got to tell you. I got to tell you. Remarkable. You just don't do that. You know, everybody, again, always says, well, you know, those casinos aren't getting any smaller. Vegas knows what they're doing. Okay. All right. If that's what you're going to tell me, then I got to, all right. But that's why the dominance of UConn in this tournament should not be understated. It should be overstated, if anything, just for that reason and that reason alone. Yes, 20 points per game is awesome. But when you beat the Vegas spread by an average of 15 points throughout the tournament, That is total and complete domination. That is incredible because we all do it. Man, oh, man, Vegas got it down. 
How do they make these lines so close? They're always right on it. Everybody says that. Everybody. That's what, you're never going to beat Vegas. Never going to beat Vegas. Vegas will get you every time. Well, you know what? Johnny White said what I said. Vegas rarely misses. They missed on this one. Thought the spread should have been 11 and a half. Johnny, I'm with you. I thought it should have been 10 and a half. Because remember, you're trying to get both sides bet here. That's the idea of a spread. I looked at it and I thought, you know what? I probably, probably would have taken a lot of San Diego State at 10 and a half. I would have, probably. I don't know. No, I wouldn't have. Now, now that I'm arguing with myself here, no, I wouldn't have. Ten and a half, when I saw it was seven and a half, I thought, wow, I'm betting that one. And I am. My toes are tapping, and we're going to eat a $6 steak tonight. That's right. I said it. A $6 steak is going to be eaten tonight. Yeah. Usually we go $5. Meyer's got a nice $5 steak. Usually we go about $5, $6, cook it up on the grill, a little something nice. You know what I mean? But the truth of the matter is tonight, because of last night's game, we're going six. Yeah, we are. So anyway, those are my top five. And I do think this, I do think that when you look back on the final fours up, both of them, you saw dominating performances. You saw a thrilling ride, Caitlin Clark and the, and the gals. I don't know if we're allowed to say the gals, but I just said it, so I got to stick with it. From Iowa Hoops. Fantastic ride. Drama. Beating the number one team in the country on that big stage was tremendous. The final game, the dominant team won. It did. Let's be honest. The dominant team won. You can argue about officials and they were horrible. You can argue that, well, uh, I didn't like what happened at the end, whatever. That's fine. But the fact of the matter is the dominant team won. In the men's side, same kind of thing, right? Thrilling game, last-second jump shot. San Diego State moves on over FAU, and then a dominating performance. Did you really think, really, really think, when it got down to seven? I'm not going to say, did you really think San Diego State was going to win? Did you really think that San Diego State was going to cover? There was a little bit of a point, and then Sonogo got kind of a fortunate tip in where it was like, all right, now it got to nine and the game was going to be over. It was just going to be over. And at the end of the day, ladies and gentlemen, Jordan Hawkins lifted up, drilled a big three, and the game was over. Was there ever a time you didn't think they were going to cover? Isn't that amazing? It wasn't whether they were going to lose. I don't think anybody thought they were going to lose. But you know what? Hey, Dan, when did gals become a bad word? What kind of world are we living in? That's from Van, Van Pasterman. You know what? I don't know, Van Pasterman. I don't know on the YouTube chat. I seriously don't. I mean, it, you know, a guy lost his superintendent's job, as we talked about earlier, because he addressed women as ladies in an email. It's a microaggression. So is gals and guys and all? I, I, I don't know, but you know what? Too old to care. Too old to care. Dan, would FAU have done better versus San Diego? Have done better than San Diego State? I don't know. I don't know. Not sure. All right, we got some woke dopes. Who is woking and who is doping in our world right now, Dylan? Because it's always a thrill 
There is never a time where people don't. Oh, let's see here. I accept my trans kid, but I also misgender. So this lady in a group I'm in has transgender kids. She always refers to the kid by the name they identify by. Let's say Harry. I presume they use he or him pronouns as they dress masculine, identify using a boy's name. But at the same time, she misgenders them by using she, her pronouns. It makes me cringe whenever she misgenders her own kid. It's just as bad as dead naming. And I've never heard her correct herself, or even worse, no one has corrected her. Do you think that maybe she doesn't accept her kid for who they are? What is dead naming? Can anybody tell me what is dead naming? I want to know what is dead naming. Anybody know dead naming? Dead naming is a thing, apparently. Uh, can somebody look that up for me? What in the hell? I'm putting this out on Twitter. What in the hell is dead naming? Does that mean Nate, my father's name is, oh wait, what's the date today? The anniversary of my father's passing is coming up. What in the hell, ladies and gentlemen, is dead naming? Am I not allowed to call my dad my dad because he's dead? Am I, am I not allowed to say the great Tom Dockage? Is that dead naming? Is that it or no? I don't know. <laughs> oh, man. Come on, people. I cannot. There is a scene in 30 Rock where Liz Lemon is a stay-at-home mom, and she gets on a computer on a, like, chat to find out some, to, how to find a girl's bike. And people lose their mind on it. People absolutely lose their mind on what exactly is a girl's bike. What exactly? What do you mean? Dead naming. What is dead naming? People who are transgender undergoing a name change can be an affirmative. Oh, when you call the person by their original name of the sex, according to our guy Gary, our boss. What is it? For many, though, uh, people who are transgender uh, undergoing a name change can be an affirming step in the transition process. It can help a person who's transgender and people in their lives begin to see them as the gender. Okay. So I'm Gary. I change it to Gail and say I'm a woman. You are dead naming me. If you call Caitlyn Jenner Bruce, you are dead naming. All right. Do we just, where do, like, is there a dictionary where we come up doxing, dead naming? All right. You doxed me. I got accused of doxing someone because I told the professor, look, you don't know anything about student athletes. You don't know about students. You have office hours one hour a week. And that was apparently doxing, dead naming, doxing. We got it all, baby. And I don't know how we come up with them. But it is absolutely glorious. Yes, Jay Smith, you don't have that nut-crushing bar on a dude's bike. You got the slanted bar. I don't know why that's so hard. I don't know why that's so hard. Jeez. All right. What else we got here? What the hell? RuPaul Teddy Bear. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, 
RuPaul has made her name by being, uh, I, 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 I guess, a drag queen. All right. St. Louis Build-A-Bear releases a drag queen teddy bear. Now, let me ask you a question. Let me just ask you a question. Why do drag queens have to be paraded in front of kids? I'll hang up and listen. Why? Can anybody explain to me why drag queens must be put in front of children? Hey, man, I also say this. I say it every day. I say it every time that we have a discussion on drag queens, which is a lot. And it is simply this. What kind of human being wakes up in the morning and says, you know what? I'm going to put on a bra, some lipstick, and I'm going to go twerk in front of children. What kind of human being wakes up and as the head of the St. Louis Teddy Build-A-Bear Committee or whatever they are, says, you know, we need drag queens put in front of children. Let me just, just think about it from that perspective for a moment. We need drag queens. We need dudes dressing up as chicks put in front of women or put in front of little kids. Let that marinate for just a minute. What kind of human being does that? Is that a, a great human being that has decided that they are going to normalize dudes dressing up as chicks and twerking in front of children? Is that a bad person? Is that a perverted person? I ask, what kind of person is it that does that? What's the mentality of the guy that wakes up? You know, I got a drag show today. We're going to do it at St. Charles Elementary School, and I'm going to get to teach kids how to tuck a buck. I'm going to get to teach kids how to, I don't know, look at a vajayjay, rub a boob. What kind of human being does that? Uh, Dan, call a transgender person by their birth name when they have changed their name as part of their gender transition. That is called dead naming. And I'm sure because I asked the question that I am some sort of ist. Well, you know what? I didn't know the answer, so I asked the question. It's better, ladies and gentlemen, than just saying something even dumber than what I normally do. All right, Trump to be indicted today. Are you going to watch? Are you interested? Is this going to be the biggest TV event of the entire year? Is this something that you can't wait to see? Is this something that you're going to say, oh wait, if you don't let your kids watch, they won't fit into in with society. That's right. There you go. That's right. This person on the left is considered normal the people on the right are like, what the hell are you doing? I don't want to fit into a society that has drag shows for kids. I don't want to fit into a society that is taking away women and their opportunities in sport that women like my wife have worked so hard. Why would anybody want to, quote, fit into that society? That is not a society that anybody should want to fit into. We should want to fit into a society that cares about each other. 
that has empathy for each other, but doesn't force things on each other. And then when you're not accepting of something you don't believe in, you get called names canceled and ostracized. That's not a great society. That's a ridiculous society. And I'm with Michelle Tafoya as we leave here. You know what? We got some great things going on here. It's being diminished. Joe Biden's America is not not near what Donald Trump's America is in terms of the quality of life for people living in it. It's just not. You can argue that it is. You can say that it is because, well, Joe Biden is from your party. Or you can say that I am a guy that is wrong because, well, frankly, uh, Donald Trump is from my party. That's not true at all. But what I would say to you is simply this. If you think the quality of life that we have going on right now is better under this administration, then good for you. I'm not going to call you a name. I'm not going to call you an ist. I'm not going to call you anything. I'm just going to tell you there are absolutely no facts that bear that out. None. Zero. Zip. None. And it's unfortunate that we're going through this space in time. Because we do have the greatest civilization, excuse me, we do have the greatest country ever. We do have the best people in the greatest country ever. But we, for whatever the reason, are being dictated to by a very, very, very small minority. And we seem to care about that small minority. I don't understand it. You don't understand it. But apparently we've all got to go with it. And it's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. We need smart people leading us. We don't need Jill Biden telling all of us how great women's sports are. They're never speaking out against, of course, men working and winning in women's sports. Not working, but winning, competing in women's sports. Be a little bit honest with what you're doing. Just a skosh. Can we? Just a little bit. Jason Hammer, if you missed him, he was sensational. Michelle Tafoya, if you missed her, she was sensational. The women's tournament is over, LSU won. The men's tournament is over, uh, what's it called, won. UConn won in dominating fashion. We move on now to the NFL draft. We move on, of course, to the NBA playoffs, where, ladies and gentlemen, I, Daniel J. Dockage, absolutely dominate. Not kind of dominate, dominate. Games two, three, and four of playoff series. Now, you may not want to watch. I may not want to watch, or I may watch if there's two interesting teams. But I got to tell you, I dominate the betting action games two, three, and four in NBA playoffs. We're going to make so much money as the NBA playoffs come on that our toes are not only going to be tapping, we're going to own the building that the tap classes are in. That's how good we're going to be. Damn it. That's right. I said it, and I meant it. I'm not great on who's going to win game six or seven. Maybe, you know, but two, three, and four over the last five years, pretty much money, ladies and gentlemen. Pretty, 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 pretty good. All right. Whole afternoon here on OutKick. Check out my boys at Hot Mike. You got Chad Withrow and Jonathan Hutton. Of course, Clay has the OutKick show. We'll be back here tomorrow. We'll be better than ever. My eyes continue to squint. 
The lights are hurting me today. Have a wonderful afternoon, Dylan and Ryan. Uh, Davey, can't thank Caitlin and Haley. Cannot thank you guys enough. You guys are fantastic. Have a wonderful afternoon, everybody.